Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Hello and welcome to episode 351 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... To infinity and beyond! Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, David. How are you? I'm very, very well, thanks. Been a couple of weeks since you've been on. What have you been up to? Still kind of catching up with the June television stuff. Because yes. <laughs> uh, there was so much of that. But um, one of those shows, in fact, both of the shows I'm going to mention are ones that were released in, in June. Uh, both on Disney+. Plus. One of them is Atlanta which had its third season come out, which is interesting because a couple of days before I started watching it, I saw a promo thing for season four and I thought, oh, yes. okay. I think they filmed them back to back or something. I, so. I think they did because he's very busy. <laughs> yes, yes. Good old Donald Glover. Yes. I think season four is the final season, isn't it? I, I think it is. Yeah. I think um, that's what the promo said. And the fourth season's coming out in the US in September. We got third season in June and it came out in March. So chances are we might get the fourth season before the end of the year maybe Mm -hmm. or maybe early next year but um, why they aren't released simultaneously when it's an FX series I don't know but that's Disney Plus UK for you so there you go they seem to at least drop things after the weekly run is done so it's not like we're waiting three months after the end of the season I think part of it is because what they don't want is US audiences using VPNs to get the uh, Mm -hmm. Disney Plus UK and not paying for Hulu which is yeah. where it's running mainly in the US because there's FX on Hulu, which runs all the FX stuff as well, I think. So yeah. I, I think that's their reasoning for delaying it in the UK. But then we've had some weird things like The Old Man and seems to have run in every territory apart from the UK so far. And they've said so they delayed that by months and months and months. So it's very strange yeah. how they've uh, set things out. But anyway, so yeah. you're, you're on to the third season of Atlanta. Yeah, I've seen the first two episodes, which apparently aired back to back because I was Googling some stuff about the first episode. Episode. Mm-hmm. I'm on to the third episode. It's just a masterpiece of a show. I mean, the way that it's shot, the importance of what is going on in the show. It's a very sort of like culturally interesting show. Obviously, you've got, I think it's three or four. I can't remember how many main characters there is, but there's, I think there's three lead like men. One of them are played by uh, Donald Glover. The other one is um, Fastus from Eternals. I can't remember right. the actual name, but um, what one of them is played by him. And then there's a woman in there as well, which I think she has a relationship with one of them on and off in, in some of the previous seasons. But that those are sort of your four main characters. Episode one, I won't get obviously into spoilers, but episode one's actually a flashback episode, which fills in a bit of backstory about stuff. And um, it's really uh, impactful. It's really sort of like... 
I think this is one of them good shows that's quite eye-opening to sort of like, because things like, you know, with racism and racial equality and things like that, we know there's racism in the world, but when you watch a show and again, you've got like Donald Glover at the top, so obviously he's got experience of that stuff. When it goes as deep as what it does and shows you like, no, it's not just, oh, racism is in the world. It's like, no, there's these things going on and we're going to, in a good way, in an interesting way, not sort of like a shove it down your throat type of way, yes. but in a sort of artful way, we're going to show you some of that stuff but instead of just randomly telling you stories they're going to be stories that connect to these characters in their lives and stuff so that's the type of episode that you'll get in an episode one and yeah with that first episode I really just sat there and I was like wow I can't believe these things like I know these things are happening in the world but it's still quite sort of not surprising but shocking when you see that stuff happening you're like wow these you know how far certain things get taken again I don't want to go into spoiler territory but how far certain things go and it's really quite interesting Mm -hmm. Uh, and again the writing the camera work camera shots the themes and everything the second episode goes into one of the characters is called Paperboy and uh, he's essentially he essentially gets signed up to this music place to go and play music which is what the characters do and there's some stuff that's not quite right with what's going on at this place Mm -hmm. and uh, the episode sort of takes a turn in the middle of it again I want to avoid spoiler stuff but that was a pretty interesting one and the way that episode settled into what it was doing it was like oh this is happening and the characters are like oh we can kind of ignore well not ignore this a little bit but it's not directly affecting what we're doing and then it did and it was like oh okay we need to do something else about this Uh, so that was pretty good Um, so I haven't seen the third episode yet but it's one of them shows where because it's been on so sort of sparsely Mm -hmm. um, it's one of them shows where you sort of you forget how good it is and then because you know in the back of your mind how good the show is and then you start it and the episode kicks on and you're like yeah I remember the show being this good before it's nice to kind of go back to it and stuff and again it's a a rare sort of like oh Atlanta's back for a new season it's been a while which is funny actually the first episode of season three the synopsis thing just says it's been a minute (laughs) so (laughs) thought that was cool but no brilliant show really really just you know talented across the board uh writing directing acting story impacts it, it's really a masterpiece of a show have you seen any of atlanta i think i've seen the first episode and i just didn't get back to it and so i need to sort of go and binge my way through everything season two 2018 when that season came out so it wow. has been a while since yeah, in a minute like yeah, it says yes absolutely <laughs> has been and then yeah i think you're right they shot these two seasons back to back because it was the only way they're going to manage to get them out before sort of Donald had to go off and do some other stuff so Mm. the last two seasons are coming fairly quickly as I said the uh, final season's out in September in the US so it will be couple of months probably after that over here it has been one of those shows which i hear great things about and consistent in its quality even with such a big break it's been consistent in its quality which is good yeah it's just one of them shows that goes away for a while that comes back and you're like oh yeah this show's really good yes so it's nice to have it back so that's been really good love victor had its third and final season which i ended up binge watching actually which is interesting because i don't remember how i watched the first season i can't remember if that was weekly or box set or whatever season two was weekly season two is obviously very special season to me which came out last year um season three i started watching one a day and i got up to episode three and then episode three ended i was like oh, i'm gonna put another one on and then i'm gonna put another <laughs> one on and then i sat there all night and I, I finished the whole show it got to that point by about episode two or three where the story was really building up to things i was like oh i want to see what happens with that i'll put the yeah. next one on i want to see what happens with that and it's uh that's a good thing the show was uh yeah. keeping me keep, keeping its attention and stuff so this was essentially for those of you that might not know when i came out last year which 
which is kind of what the, the show's about. And that's how I kind of relate to Victor. But as I've mentioned before, he's got like a different background to me and stuff, which is interesting because he's going through the same thing that I kind of went through again in different circumstances, in different contexts. And he's also younger than me. He's, I think, his high school or whatever. So mm-hmm. you got some differences, but I, I appreciated those differences. It wasn't just like, hey, here's my exact same story that I'm, you know, witnessing in a show. So it had some differences. It was emotional watching that last season. I'll, I'll miss these characters. I thought the, the show ended really well. It had one of them sort of, it, it was a relaxing kind of simple ending, but it didn't need to do anything sort of extravagant. Yeah. They do a bit of sort of like, who's going to end up with who? kind of thing which is a normal thing for a teenage show like that when you've got oh someone's got a crush on so and so and but it's not played in like a CWE sort of like how Riverdale will tend to do that type of stuff it's uh, higher quality than that sort of thing I did a list recently actually called top 10 best like YA young adult shows and it was interesting taking a look at something like you know High School Musical then you got things like Euphoria and Skins which are like really dark stuff that's where you get into like you know drug and alcohol addiction things like that and then you've got more relaxing things like this and then you've got more more, not slapstick, but fun sort of stuff like High School Musical. But no, it was great to go through the, th- the three seasons. I'll always be grateful for the show because it was basically what helped me come out last year. So um, yeah, if you want to call that personal bias, I don't know, but it was uh, it was great to go through and uh, finish the last season. So I look forward to seeing what kind of happens next. But um, yeah, I'm going to miss these characters, I think, certainly. Yeah. So yeah. um, I think Gray mentioned that he'd finished it. Yes, um, he's I do finished have, it as well. I, I do have a podcast plan for the 19th of August as well, which involves everything I've just mentioned. So uh, I'll be recording that soon. Cool. But yeah, uh, some stuff I've been doing that you've been doing as well. So what have you been up to, David? Catching up with things while I was off. So uh, Solar Opposites, I'm up to date on now, which is brilliant. Again, it's a lot of fun. So much fun. It's the in-gags. And there's an episode where they end up joining a queue and they end up starting the second episode or the, the episode directly after it, like with the entire thing in that queue, kind of making comments about the fact that they've like for one episode finishes and runs into another. And, and, and it's just, it's so well put together. Yeah, It's very, very funny. I love Rick and Morty, but I sort of like Solar Opposites more. I just think it's extremely inventive in the way that they put the stories together. The wall storyline has been superb. You know, we and Gray have talked a lot about that. I, I just think it's so good that show brilliant animated series which you can find on Disney Plus and well well worth watching it's very very funny I think with Solar Opposites as compared to Rick and Morty I think Solar Opposites is better at sort of doing all the meta discussion and kind of not breaking yes. the fourth wall like turning well, onto the camera or whatever but, but it kind of does um, yeah like the Hulu world stuff and all, all yeah. that sort of thing it is really great and that comment about like hey we better not be in this line next episode <laughs> yes <laughs> that was uh, yeah so I get what you mean that was that was brilliant and because um, yeah the wall's almost like a it's like, a story like a, within the story second, basically like a separate part of the show but yeah. it's so well woven into things yeah yeah, I mean, so, uh, um, but talk, yeah, it's yeah. it's slapstick's too fun, but it's it's still really good. So. Yeah, it. I mean, we yeah. talked to Gray about the fact that you know, I mean, he would be perfectly happy just to watch a wall series. You know, yeah, that could it, work. They've done like bottle episodes for it before, I think. So. Yeah, I mean, there is an episode, the Hulu World episode, where the Solar Opposites go off to Hulu World, and then the entire episode takes place within the wall because they're out of the way and they sort of look at it as a chance to possibly escape. That I thought was really really. Really good. 
Other things I've been catching up on on Disney Plus, 911 Lone Star, I've started that as well. There's a, a like four episode arc which opens that series, which Gray mentioned, which is where a cold spell basically hits Texas and just mm-hmm. sort of freezes everything. And uh, I really enjoyed that sort of opening. You knew where it was going to kind of end up because they ended the last season with the house being broken up and all the firefighters in different places. So it was fairly inevitable that they were going to bring them back together at some way and of course that's what happens at the end of that arc this is not really spoiling anything because it's so obvious that's where they're going to be going that's been really good i've been very much enjoying that new amsterdam came back as well i've started watching i only watched the first episode so far of that that, the medical show that's the medical drama was on amazon it's now on sky it's actually an nbc show we've got one more season to go after this but uh yeah i'm enjoying that as well they've changed a few things around and i like what they've done with the changes and it's a really fun interesting medical show that in terms of new things though that i picked up first one is the sandman which is on netflix right now this is neil gaiman's adaptation of neil gaiman's comic book i think he's done a really wonderful job with it it's really really good it generally seems to have got very good reviews across the board there's a few people hating on it but there always is with this sort of thing The basic premise for it is you're following Dream, a.k.a. Morpheus, a.k.a. the Sandman, who is the person who is the king of dreams. He's one of seven, in quotes, brothers and sisters who are known as the Endless, who are these immortal beings, and they control various aspects. So there's one, there's sort of dream and there's death and there's desire and, you know, there's a whole bunch of different ones. The opening episode, you see Dream get captured in this occult ritual and he's held captive for around 100 years and it's him sort of escaping and then trying to reclaim stuff that is his and you sort of see what's happened to his kingdom after that occurs, basically. It's really well cast. Tom Sturridge is wonderfully strange as Morpheus. I think that's a really good bit of casting. Boyd Holbrook plays a character called Corinthian, who is a nightmare, who is the person that Morpheus goes up to try and capture because he's an escaped nightmare and he's wandering around in the world. And of course, nightmares shouldn't be doing that in the waking world. That's when Morpheus gets caught is he's going to try and capture Corinthian and get caught himself. Corinthian is then sort of free to run amok for the next hundred years. So there's that. Then you have uh, Patton Oswalt doing the voice of Matthew, who is a raven in it as well. So that's really good. David Thewlis is in there as John, who is involved with the sort of stolen bits and pieces. There are a few interesting oddities with the show. It's got a couple of characters you know in there because there is a character called Joanna Constantine, who is, of course, John Constantine, basically. I don't know whether they just couldn't use Constantine because, or DC didn't want him to use Constantine because they'd use John Constantine on Legends. And I'd say that's probably quite likely. Maybe that's the reason. And Jenna Coleman does a really good job at playing Joanna Constantine because in the comic book it is John. So she does a perfectly decent job of playing that character. But it is difficult to watch it without thinking, you could have just called Matt Ryan and got him to do it, you know? I mean, Mm. unless DC told him not to. But that depiction of Constantine is so Constantine that 
I can just see Matt Ryan doing it. Nothing against Janice. She did a perfectly good job with it. It's just, it is basically just a female version of Constantine. There's no difference. So if you're going to do that, why not just let them employ the person who's been playing Constantine for the past 10 years? You know, so kind of a missed opportunity there. Although there is arguably some baggage that comes with that because then you can say, oh, well, it's connected universes and that sort of stuff. And, you know, so (laughs) maybe there's a reason that they, that's the reason why they didn't do it but um mm. you know she's perfectly fine in that role she's i mean she does a perfectly reasonable job and it maybe was more sensible to do a female version rather than have somebody else play constantine and everybody go but it's not matt ryan so f- fine okay right, maybe that. yeah yeah that could be why there's also gwendolyn christie in there as lucifer in this particular instance i think that was probably the sensible thing to do because technically lucifer from the tv series with tom ellis that version of Lucifer does come from the same source material. And there apparently had been some discussion about him possibly reprising the role in it, but that version of the character is very much him still the ruler of hell. And that version in the Lucifer TV show comes with quite a lot of baggage. And that's such a different depiction of that character because he's less the sort of fun-loving kind of cheeky Lucifer that we knew from the Lucifer TV show. Her version is a bit more kind of hard-edged and is very much the sort of enjoying her role as ruler of hell by the looks of things. So I think the depiction's different enough that you can sort of say, well, okay, I can see why you wouldn't just get Tom Ellis to do it in that particular case. Lucifer's finished now, isn't it? Yes, it has. Like, like finished, finished, yeah. Because I know yeah. I had some part A and B of whatever. Season, y- yes, so. yeah, Lucifer finished. And it was a Netflix show as well. So, I mean, there, there was yeah. some, apparently some talk of Tom Ellis doing it, but they decided to go in a different direction. And I, I think because of the depiction of that character, it's probably the right thing to do in that particular particular case because it is very different to the Lucifer TV show because the Lucifer TV show bore very little resemblance to the comic book character. Both those characters are very much side characters. They only show up in a couple of episodes. Mm -hmm. It's more obvious with Joanna Constantine, John Constantine, because she is basically just an exact female copy of John Constantine, whereas the Lucifer version is slightly different. The other thing about the show, which I've seen mentioned a few times online, is the weird aspect ratio they've used for it. Everything looks looks a little bit stretched and apparently that was a creative decision it's a weird creative decision um because <laughs> it takes a little bit getting used to I, I think the idea is that it was i don't know whether it was shot on some people saying it was shot on old lenses and stuff and it, it kind of gives this slightly ethereal quality to it that's what they were sort of going for but when you actually put it on screen and you're watching it on your TV, it just feels like the aspects ratio is slightly off. Everybody's slightly thinner than they should be. It looks a bit weird. Right. And I, I sort of get that if you're maybe in the dream realm. I kind of get you maybe doing that in those areas because it's a sort of otherworldly thing. But they do spend quite a lot of time on Earth. And you think, well, if you're on Earth, surely that shouldn't have that dream quality to it. So it's odd. It's a very weird choice to go with because there are a lot of people just looking at it going, it's horribly distracting. And it is when you first watch it. I mean, to the point where I actually went and thought, has this been uploaded wrongly? I'm going to go and look this up. And that's when I saw quite a lot of people talking about it going, what's with the aspect ratio? But apparently it was a creative decision of theirs. I don't think it serves any real purpose other than slightly alienating people because it mm-hmm. is quite distracting. Is it a bit like the Snyder Cut? Or no. Is it a different 
no, 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 because that. with the with the Snyder Cut, it was Snyder Cut was shot in IMAX, but the right. so you get black bars down the side. With that, you're still getting the picture as it's supposed to be, but you've got black bars down the side because it's all being shown in IMAX, which is sort of four by three. It's like watching sort of old TV shows. With this, mm-hmm. it's letterboxed, so there are black bars at the top and the bottom, but the actual picture itself. If you've ever like got the setting wrong on your TV, the aspect ratio setting wrong on your TV and got it set to like four by three when it should be 16 by nine, and it stretches the faces of the people in sort of an odd direction. Mm. It's that. It actually, in this particular case, what it does is it actually squashes everybody so they look slightly elongated and slightly thinner and taller. So it it looks a bit weird. Uh-huh. And you'll see when you look at it, and it apparently, it is supposed to be like that but you do look at it and go this just doesn't look right and it's distracting there are certain things you can do as creative choices that you can kind of go okay fine you might go for a particular color you might shoot something in black and white there are certain things that you might do but this seems a really odd choice because it looks like it's an error and it apparently isn't Mm. you get used to it after watching it for a while but it's a weird choice by the cinematographer there are three listed and I don't know who was the lead on it and was the one that came up with that as an idea but assuming it comes back for a second season I hope they change their minds on that because I find it a bit distracting. So we'll see. I didn't see a lot of promotion for this show, by the way. Like I hadn't seen any trailers or or anything for it. They Um, have been pushing it reasonably hard. I mean, they pushed it at every event. They have hmm. been dropping trailers reasonably regularly. I mean, maybe it's just not on your radar for some reason. but Possibly. But yeah, they had dropped a number of trailers for it and behind the scenes things. And, you know, they have been doing stuff for it. So it had been out there. Hmm. So that was the one new show. The other thing I watched, on a very different scale, La Brea, which we've been talking about for a while. This is the TV show which is basically set in Los Angeles or starts off in Los Angeles. Massive sinkhole opens in the middle of the city next to the La Brea tar pits and hundreds of people are sent plummeting through this sinkhole. But rather than dying, they find themselves in a uh, primitive world, which it's fairly obvious and straight on, so I don't think this is a spoiler at all. They basically appear to have gone back in time, are in the year 10,000 BC in LA. That's the basic premise for it. It's wonderfully silly. It's beautifully stupid. It's very enjoyable. If you like shows like Manifest or Zoo, which is the people behind this are the people that were behind that wonderfully stupid show, oh. Zoo. So it has this very silly premise as the sort of opening for it. And you've got these various characters. It sort of centers mainly around the Harris family. There's a son, a daughter. The parents are separated. The mum and the son fall through the hole the father and the daughter are still back in LA but the father was an experimental plane pilot and his plane went down a year earlier and he started having these visions and it turns out these visions are connected in some way to these holes these temporal portal things that 
are opening up. So he's sort of having visions of the family in the hole, essentially. So there's sort of that going on. And then you've got this bunch of people that are, are down there. And, and I mean, it's a fairly sort of tropey set of sort of things. You've got like a drug dealer. You've got like a cop. You've got a guy who was a Navy SEAL and is now a doctor. There's an anthropology student who is also a stoner, you know? <laughs> so there's this sort of interesting, eclectic group of people that are together and they're learning how to survive, surrounded by things like saber-toothed tigers and dire wolves and all sorts of other weird and wonderful creatures that were around at 10,000 BC. It's very silly, but quite enjoyable. Don't take it particularly seriously. It's one of those fun dramas you can stick on while you're having something to eat. You can just sort of not have to think too much. Very much in the vein of something like Zoo or to a lesser extent Manifest, because Manifest has a bit more plotting to it. But it's in that sort of area. It's on Paramount Plus randomly, even though it's an NBC show. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, worth watching, I think. It's fun and worth picking up, definitely. Have you caught La Brea yet? I was scrolling through, you know, they have the banners at the top and I was just seeing what was new on there and La Brea came up and I thought, that sounds familiar. I clicked on it and then it said about the sinkhole. I was like, oh yeah, this show. I'm going to try and start it at some point, but I want to finish like Atlanta first. Right. So it, it sounds interesting. We'll see where it goes. Yes. I, as I say, don't take it very seriously. It's very silly, <laughs> but it is enjoyable silliness. Um, easy watching, fun, silly drama. I would recommend that it is worth a look certainly cool that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's go on to some tv and film news mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need a fast most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We kick off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. A few cancellations. We've got First Kill has been cancelled by Netflix after one season. That was a teen vampire show. I think it's one of their YA things. Daryl, I think, watched it. I never got around to it and I probably won't now it's been canned after one season. First Lady has been cancelled as well. That's a Showtime series runs on Paramount Plus over here. Technically, it's an anthology series. It's about the various first ladies of the uh, US, and it's an anthology, so it doesn't. There's no reason why you can't watch the first series and be done with it. Basically, mm-hmm. mock the week. The very long-running comedy panel show is going to be ending this autumn after 17 years on air. They have said, which is a bit of a shame. Although I have to say, I haven't watched it in a while. I did used to watch it quite regularly, and then sort of dropped off it. And I keep on forgetting it's on. But uh, it's been on twice a year for like 17 years. So, lots of episodes. And there was an announcement about Star Wars Andor. They'd already said that there were two seasons ordered of that. They have clarified that that is it. It is two seasons. They've got a storyline that basically dovetails directly into the movie in the same way that the movie kind of dovetailed directly into A New Hope. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know whether it'll do it quite that closely, but basically they've said it will be two seasons and that's it, which is fair enough. I mean, if they've got a story mm-hmm. to tell, there that's is, fine. There is only so long that can actually last yes so i have no idea how much i'll enjoy this show because i wasn't like a massive fan of rogue one it was i thought it was good but i didn't enjoy it loads 
I'll give this show a go. There's no harm in like giving a show a go. And if it's only going to be on for two seasons, then I should probably watch it. But I have no idea how much I'm going to like that. Mm. Um, so I, although I think there's a trailer come out, I can't remember if I've seen a trailer. There is. There's so, a couple of trailers uh, actually. Yeah. 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 So maybe I should have a look at another trailer. Should be at least good. I hope. So. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I really like the film. I very much enjoyed the film. So I'm looking forward to that coming out. In terms of renewals, Good Trouble has been renewed for a fifth season at Freeform. That runs on BBC Three over here. That's the spin-off from the Fosters. But uh, I think we're waiting for season four, but it had been renewed for a fifth season. So that will be coming back. The Lazarus Project has been renewed for a second season over on Sky. So that will be returning as well, which I'm very happy about. That was uh, a good show. I've still got to get to the end of that. Is that the Timey Wimey show? That's the Timey Wimey show. Yes. I really like that series. Right. What I've I, seen I, of it. I've seen a trailer for that. Got kind of a curious interest to watch that. Um, yes. But we shall see. It's certainly worth looking at, definitely. And Annika, which is an alibi crime series starring Nicola Walker set in Scotland that has begun filming on its second season. So that is coming back for a second season as well. Those are all the renewals. Pickups and other news. Paramount announced a bunch of pickups that they've got and they're randomly from all over the place because, I mean, we kind of thought that Paramount Plus was going to be this sort of depository for everything that was owned by Paramount. So CBS, mm-hmm. like Showtime. Whilst they have got all the Showtime series, they, they will be going to Paramount Plus. The CBS stuff is still getting sold all over the place, which is kind of weird, but that's what they've decided to do. I Presumably, it CBS make more money just selling them on rather than handing them over to Paramount Plus. So that's what they're doing. They are now trying to sort of span out that uh, Paramount Plus catalogue because it is a little lacking at the moment. And they've announced five new shows that are coming to join things. That's the reason why La Brea's on there. That was an outside buy-in for Paramount Plus UK. They've bought them from kind of all over the place. Lionsgate, they've got a number of things from. And Sony Epics, they've also bought something from. Uh, Chapelweight, which is an adaptation of the Stephen King short story, Jerusalem's Lot, stars Adrian Brody. Set in the 1850s, it follows Captain Charles Boone, played by Adrian Brody, who relocates his family and three children to his ancestral home in the small, seemingly sleepy town of Preacher's Corner, Maine, after his wife dies at sea. However, Charles will soon have to confront the secrets of his family's sordid history and fight to end the darkness that has plagued the Boones for generations. So that's a sort of horrory, spooky house thing by the sounds of it. It seems to have gone down quite well because it's gone out in the US. I think it's renewed for a second season as well. That will be coming back, but that is going to be going on to Paramount Plus UK. There is a show called Minx that is set in the 1970s. It stars Ophelia Lovey Bond as a young feminist from Los Angeles who creates an unlikely bond with an editor played by Jake Johnson as they set out to create the world's first women's erotic magazine. So uh, that looks like it could be interesting. That was a HBO Max series in the US. That's from Lionsgate. There is a show called Son of Critch, which is a coming of age story based on the childhood and adolescence of Canadian comedian Mark Critch, who people may know from Republic of Doyle. That's the sort of everybody hates Chris, but for a Canadian comedian called Mark Critch, basically. There is Home Economics, which was an ABC show in 
the US. That's from Lionsgate as well. Starring and exec produced by Topher Grace. And it takes a look at the heartwarming yet super uncomfortable and sometimes frustrating relationships between three adult siblings, one in the 1%, one middle class and one barely holding on. Comedy is inspired by the life of writer and exec producer Michael Colton. Topher Grace is the lead in that. So that could be quite good. And there is one called Savage River, which runs on ABC Australia, which is different to ABC US. It's from an independent production company called Dynamic. And that tells the story of Miki Anderson, played by Catherine Langford from 13 Reasons Why, who returns to her hometown in rural Victoria after 10 years in prison. She's determined to move on with her life, but the close-knit community of Savage River is not about to let her forget her past. When a murder rocks the town, Miki immediately becomes the focus of everybody's suspicion. That's the setup for that one. Um, So it's an interesting kind of collection of shows, few comedies, uh, horror and a sort of drama from Australia in there. Anything kind of bite for you there? Not quite, no. I thought Chef um, and Wait might. Maybe. Stephen maybe. King adaptation. That's a horror sort of thing. I thought that might be up your street. Could be. There's some Stephen King stuff that, that works, some that sometimes doesn't. So that might be good. Things like this, though, like once you see trailers for things and you can see a bit more of what things look like and the tone and, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, we can get a better idea. But no, no, none of those sort of like, as you were reading those out, none of them sort of jumped out at me. as like, oh, I'll keep my eyes out for that yes. type thing. But um, we'll have to see going forward because, as I mentioned, I did a podcast recently going over sort of like everybody's IP and what everybody's got, but pointing out Netflix and their IP problems. So it'd be interesting to see how Paramount handles that. And given the fact that what you said here with they've got like ABC stuff and some HBO Max things, how that's going to work with what they're doing, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, because it's still very early days for Paramount Plus. So we'll have to see what once they start building up a bit of a library, see um, how they measure up to the others. Yeah. It's, it's been sort of interesting because, I mean, their library was a little bit lacking when they first launched. But I think part of that has to do with the fact that they have this deal with Sky. And I think in the UK, that gives them a little bit of room to play because they're presumably getting paid a chunk of money from Sky for Sky to have that as part of the Sky Cinema package. Right, you can get it through that, can't you? Yeah, so they're sort of growing subscribers anyway, because when anybody signs up to Sky Cinema, they're also signing up to Paramount+. Plus. So, I mean, presumably people are watching things on there, even if it's just the Star Treks and Halos and other odd bits and pieces. But I mean, they said this week that they're very happy with how it's going. So, I'm interested to see. I mean, remember when Disney Plus launched they didn't have a particularly huge catalogue and that is now one of the sort of must-have services. It's quite packed now, yeah. So, you know, we'll see. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's more content. If you're a Sky Cinema subscriber, it's free content. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't really complain. Overall, though, I think with Paramount and their IP, obviously Star Trek's their biggest thing. You've mm-hmm. got some like more, fan, I'm not, don't say kid stuff, like family friendly stuff like SpongeBob, Rugrats, yeah. things like that. And those, the advantage you've got with those two is you've got a lot of episodes that you can put and you can put new stuff on there. Plus mm-hmm. there's like films of those things and that sort of stuff. They'll keep running Halo, I assume. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Star Trek is probably the big one that they've got. But I suppose what they've got to do is if you're not into Star Trek, what are they putting out to pull yes, you in? Yes, there is that. And I think that's maybe where it falls down a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of people that have got it because they're Star Trek fans. And the rest of the stuff on there, I mean, there is some interesting bits and pieces, but uh, I'm not sure whether there's enough for people to like, you know, have it on as a permanent thing rather than sticking it into a rotation of all the smaller services. Unless the fact that you have it with Sky 
Sky Cinema, so you know it's part of the subscription anyway. Because when I get through La Brea, or if I save that for later, when Strange New Worlds goes out, and if I decide to start La Brea or not, I'm probably going to unsubscribe because I've seen everything else on there that I want to. Yes. So because like Halo's just finished, Star Trek's Discovery's finished, new season. So those are the main things I signed up for. Yeah, I mean that's how a lot of people do it these days. They may keep one streaming service on permanently, like Disney Plus or Netflix, and then rotate through all the others you know because mm-hmm. it's a cheaper way to do it and there's no penalty for just turning them off and on again so all right you don't need them all on it all, all the time no, so exactly. Just have the ones that you want on. Yeah. In terms of other little bits and pieces, Bad Education, the uh, Jack Whitehall series, or to soon not to be Jack Whitehall series, they've released an image of the new cast for season four, which is coming next year to BBC Three. There is a Christmas special coming this year, and that will be the last episode with Jack Whitehall reprising his role as the sort of hapless teacher. That will sort of be the final send-off for him. And then there's starting with a new cast without Jack Whitehall. He's still exec producing. It's not like he's been sacked from his own show. He's just not got time to do it, I think. What they have done is they've brought back a couple of the ex-pupils to be teachers. There's the uh, fabulous diva Stephen, played by Leighton Williams, and lovable geezer Mitchell, played by Charlie Wernham, are the two that are coming back uh, with one teaching drama and the other teaching PE. And then there's obviously a bunch of new kids in there as well. So it's going to be a slightly different thing when it comes back for its full season next year but there is that final Christmas special which will be the sort of end of Jack Whitehall's teacher in it and that's going out in Christmas this year. There was a little story that dropped as well about Andy Serkis who is apparently doing a biopic uh, he's been hired to direct and showrun a biopic about Madame Tussauds which I thought was kind of interesting. Madame Tussauds okay. of course the the person that I mean, was an actual person it's not just the name of the waxwork place it was the woman who set up the waxwork place and goes back to 18th century Paris she was uh, sort of handcrafting this stuff in the Age of Enlightenment. You've got the French Revolution, Reign of Terror, all that sort of stuff. And then she launched the first museum in 1835. It's sort of an interesting character. I'm surprised there's nobody's actually picked that up and told that story before. But uh, according to Andy Serkis, this is no straight-up period drama. It's a hilariously crazy, no-hold-barred, anarchic punk caper conjured from the curiously twisted mind of a fabulously post-truce executioner's daughter. Marie knows one thing very clearly. If you're going to tell your own life story, make it entertaining, even if you have to make it up, whatever happens, cut out the book bits so um it sounds like it's going to be a sort of very fun over the top kind of historical romp thing that he's doing we don't know where that may land in the uk it's uh, the french media company tf1 that are actually funding it so it could land anywhere i mean it could end up on a streaming service it could go to the bbc who knows but um that's what andy circus is doing he's going to be directing and show running that apparently and one little last bit of news just to clear up some stuff in case you happen to have seen something over the weekend apparently rosario dawson from the various marvel netflix shows was on stage at Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo and made some remark about the fact that the Punisher TV show was being revived. She later walked back that comment on Twitter, basically saying, I can't be trusted. Getting intel from fans during signings is iffy, apparently. My bad. I get excited. Confirmation is the key when you're told what you want to hear. Apparently that happened and somebody had said something about it coming back and she thought, oh, they must have announced something and I apparently got a 
wires crossed. And then, of course, people picked up on that and there were new stories about, oh, the Punisher's, she, she said the Punisher's yeah, being revived. Yeah. And it hasn't. So that's not to say it won't be. I mean, it's entirely possible it will be at some point, but um, there is no official announcement one way or the other at the moment. She doesn't know anything. You need to trust the fact that actors are the last people to be told anything in this world. When it comes to TV shows, it generally they're the last people to know. Just in case you happen to have seen something about that, it's not true. I think in terms of the Defenders, I think eventually they're probably all going to come back. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't. I don't think they'll do it all at once. Like obviously, we're getting Daredevil kind of yeah. slowly put back in. He's getting his own show. But I don't see why you wouldn't bring back the other ones. Yeah. Um, like people love John Bernthal's Punisher. People love, is it Michael, Michael Coulter, I think, as Luke Cage. The only question, one you put a question mark on is maybe Iron Fist. Well, but I, I, d- yeah. I don't know what you, what you, that doesn't mean you can't have Iron Fist back. You just maybe change something there or recast or whatever. But I don't know why you wouldn't be able to bring them all back. Really, yeah. Like, I, know, I mean, Jessica, Jessica Jones as well, apart from as we were mentioning last week yeah, uh, the yeah. only problem with Jessica Jones is the fact that she's now going to be leading the Orphan Black TV series but that doesn't mean she can't do two shows I mean they could work around that certainly so I'm sure she'd be perfectly happy to go back to that character yeah what do you think they'll do with the Defenders wouldn't surprise me if they slot them back in Punisher I think is, is they've done multiple times trying to bring the Punisher to screen and I think that was probably the most successful version of it it's certainly the one that people like the most I think so I suspect that they will revive that version of it at some point, whether it's in a series or whether he shows up in a movie or, you know, I, I don't know. I would like to see that back. And it'd be nice to have Jessica Jones back as well. Mm-hmm. I, I'm less concerned about Luke Cage and Iron Fist, although those two, uh, the heroes for hire thing, I think would be, that would be the obvious That's thing what you to should do. do yeah. with, if you're going to bring those two characters back, do heroes for hire and put them together. I think mm-hmm. that would make sense. Yeah. I'm very excited to see Daredevil come back though. Yes, me too. Sticking with superheroes, uh, the other thing that we kind of need to talk about is what on earth is going on with Warner Brothers Discovery and DC? Because the big news that dropped this week was the Batgirl movie has been cancelled despite the fact that they're anywhere between sort of 70 to 90 million in and it was in post-production. So basically everything was filmed. All the stuff was shot. They were in post-production doing CG work and all that sort of stuff. So the film essentially is done and they'd done screenings of it with bits of the CG missing. And depending who you listen to, some people saying it was great, some people saying it wasn't so good. The opinion of the CEO of uh, Warner Brothers appears to be that it wasn't good enough. That seems to be the reasoning behind it. I mean, they talk about changing strategic direction is how it was put out. The original headline, that was in well, the New York Post, I think it was, called the film Irredeemable. But it doesn't seem to have been that bad. And from what people coming from the screening seem to have said, said, no, I actually quite enjoyed it. There's certainly been some positive comments about it. But his argument, I think, is it wasn't good enough quality to be released theatrically. And they don't think that they should be releasing these sorts of movies onto HBO Max, which was where it was supposed to be in the first place and then they changed to it releasing theatrically and he doesn't think it's good enough quality to release theatrically 
what they essentially have said now is we're basically using it as a tax write-off. The issue now is that means it can never see the light of day because if you're using it as a tax write-off, it basically goes in a vault and nobody sees it because they can't release it officially. I mean, it could get leaked online somewhere, which wouldn't surprise me if that does happen at some point. But that's the Batgirl movie that has basically gone into a deep, dark hole, along with Scoob Holiday Haunt, which apparently was a follow-up to an animated CG Scooby-Doo movie. They did a prequel or something before, didn't they? This was supposed to be the sequel, I think. Yes. So that's also gone as well. David Zasloff, who is the CEO, said Warner Brothers Motion Picture Group has a fantastic IP and great history between DC and the animation group together with the entire library our ambition is to bring Warner back to produce great high quality films DC is at the top of that list for us we have Batman Superman Wonder Woman Aquaman these are brands known everywhere in the world the ability to drive those is a group opportunity for us we're going to focus on quality we're not going to release a film before it's ready DC is something we can make better and we're focusing on that now Black Adam Shazam and The Flash we'll get to that uh we've seen them and we think they're terrific and we think we can make them even better so the flash is still being released (laughs) yeah um in regards to batgirl so before we jump onto the flash yes it's sad what's kind of interesting is that the the phrasing i've heard is this doesn't fit our direction yeah the dceu doesn't have a line at the moment like it doesn't have a big bad it doesn't have sequels because with the mcu if you go from iron man to what was the newest film thor love and thunder everything in that line is sequels of each other that that, and some of them are in you know some of them are a bit more prequel stuff like you got your captain marvel which goes back a bit and you know you got stuff at different time points but it's all basically one long series of films and tv shows whether you do or don't want to count Defenders or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever, but that's essentially how that works and it's an ongoing story. The DCU doesn't have that at the moment. Like, you've got villains you can use and you had the dark side thing, but you left the dark side thing on a cliffhanger, so saying it doesn't fit our direction doesn't really make much sense. The other thing kind of connected to that, they've said about this, like, oh, we've come up with this 10-year plan. Mm-hmm. I want more show, not tell. Yes. What I want to see the next thing from DC is them to go to Comic-Con properly and, you know, the, the timeline thing that Marvel does, like, Kevin Feige mm-hmm. stands up on the stage and you have the line in the middle of the films that go like top and bottom and they show you like the dates and stuff. Go to Comic-Con and show me, okay, in 2023, we've got this, 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 and this, and then maybe 2024, maybe 2025, depends on what they've got planned. I mean, if they're saying 10 years, because I want to kind of know like, okay, since David's taken over, David Zaslav, what is he sort of like, has he jotted things down? Has he jotted like, I want this person to play this role or I want this film? I want to know this stuff. So instead of just blankly saying, sure, obviously what Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman are the three, you know, that's the trinity of DC. Those are your most important characters. And those are who you would start fresh with rather than just telling me you're going to do that. Tell me who's playing Superman. Tell me which version of Batman you're talking about. Tell me, we've probably got Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, but like, instead of just saying we've got these three characters we're going to make a 10-year plan of them we don't know who's playing two of those characters yeah. or who's going to be i mean obviously got to, sort, got to sort the flash out we'll talk about that in a minute i just want to know sort of okay what is that plan and what films in what order are going to well be yeah so, i mean th- that's the thing i mean i've been saying the same thing you know they said we have a marvel-esque 10-year plan okay tell us yeah, tell me what it is. <laughs> tell me what it is. If you have a plan for it, if you want to win back the public trust in DC and your movies, you need to be able to go to a Comic-Con or whatever. You need to be able to put something out that says, 
here's our 10-year plan. This is what we're doing. These are the people that we're having to play it. You need to be able to put that out in front of them. I mean, they they said, you know, obviously Marvel's done a really good job and, you know, he name-checked Kevin Feige as being someone they would like to emulate, but didn't provide any other details about who is the person they're going to put in that position. And that's fairly vital. I mean, one name that's been banded around is Alan Horn, who is former president and COO of Warner Brothers. He was there when they did the Harry Potters and Dark Knight trilogy and that sort of stuff. He then went to be COO Hmm. over at Disney and he's now back at Warner Brothers Discovery. But that person to me seems a bit more like an exec than I I don't know him well enough to be able to say. Than the head of a film studio. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, maybe he is. Maybe he's he's really into his DC stuff. But I mean, that's the thing with Kevin. He knows his Marvel things inside now, and he knows how to find the right people as well to manage that. I don't know if Alan Horn is that person or not. If he is, great. But I don't know. He's not. He has got some background and cred to it, so maybe he he can do it. But you kind of feel like you need. I don't know. It's a very unique thing. You need somebody that knows DC inside and out, and you need somebody that knows the film industry inside and out. And it needs to be somebody that's prepared to sort of know what they don't know as well and hand that Mm -hmm. over to... It's a big undertaking. It's a very big undertaking. But the fact that they've said, we've got this 10-year plan and don't appear to have announced the person that is in charge of it is worrying to start off with, (laughs) you know? Mm. Or they could have at least maybe said, okay, we have an event coming up on this date or something. So like when Marvel went to Comic-Con, it was like, hey, we got some announcements here. We'll see you in September for D23. You know, that's the next point. I mean, one thing they could do is obviously DC fandom. Those used to be in October. I don't think there's one this year. No, Um, I I thought they were going to do one, but I don't think they are. They've certainly not announced one. No, I don't think they did uh, fandom this year. So... (laughs) But yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, figuring out who's going to lead it and then you've got to figure out writers, directors, cast and how things are going to fit together. Yeah, so. just saying, oh, we've got a 10-year plan. I mean, Marvel didn't even have a 10-year plan when they started. And I think this is part of the problem is DC again trying to run before they can walk. They did this last time around, which is why we got this weird mishmash of like rather than having a bunch of individual Justice League movies and then a Justice League movie, why we didn't get Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Cyborg, Justice League, which is what it should have been. They did Batman, Superman, oh, screw it, we'll do Justice League, you know, <laughs> and then sort of Wonder Woman afterwards. And I mean, they put out a Suicide Squad film before a Batman film. Yeah, and now you've got, well, you've got three different Batman, three. Although, <laughs> although the Michael Keaton one may have just died with Batgirl, although he is in the Flash movie, but we know from other reports that it looks like Michael Keaton was supposed to be in the Aquaman sequel and his stuff has been shot with Ben Affleck. So there's that change there as well. See, the thing with that is that's not just popping one actor out and one in. They're very different versions of Batman. One's like an in his prime 40-something-year-old and one's like a 60, 70, whatever, like Batman Beyond retired type Batman. So popping one out and popping one in, it doesn't really... Well, like, if you're know. gonna do, I mean, like if you're gonna do Christian Bale and Ben Affleck, like they're kind of yeah, on a yeah. similar thing. So we'll see what they do with that. So it's whilst ultimately there is an argument that this could be a positive thing that somebody is actually gone. Okay, I'm taking control of this because it's a mess. It's not provided much clarity either. 
it is a mess at the moment. We've said for years that the DC, the whole DC stuff is a complete mess. Maybe somebody stepping in, taking control of everything actually could ultimately turn into being a good thing for it, you know, but it doesn't fill you with a huge amount of confidence when, like I say, they're coming out saying things like, we have a marvelous 10-year plan, but we don't have the person that's going to be implementing it. We're still going to release the Flash movie, despite the, let's say, problematic lead actor in it. And I sort of get that the film might be quite useful to them because you're talking about a Flashpoint film which is, in essence, an opportunity for them to reset the timeline. So that, I think, is could be when you start to see some major changes. I can sort of see them maybe doing that. But equally, I think if you said we're just going to kind of scrap everything and start again, but we're bringing some of these actors forward, that mm. would also yeah, work. I, I want to see some of these actors stick around. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, a lot of people want to see Henry Cavill back. You know, of course, yeah. Gal Gadot's great as Wonder Woman. Yeah. Jason's great as Aquaman. And I like Ben as Batman as well, though he's made various noises about whether he will or won't do it. So I do like that group, but you're going to have to recast The Flash because you can't, I mean, you just can't keep Ezra Miller around at this point. No. It's not feasible. Um, no. I, I am surprised that they haven't announced anything about that going. It's very they weird. Haven't, they haven't said anything about it at all. Well, no, I mean, he, he actually name checks it in the statement. He says, DC is something we're focusing on it now. Black Adam, Shadam and The Flash. I've seen them all think they're terrific. I mean, he name checks it in the quote. And you're like, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's, Yeah. I mean... My question about The Flash is, how do you market that film? Yes. In regards to Ezra's involvement, you can't do red carpet interviews, you can't do YouTube interviews, you can't really put posters out there. Even in the Shazam trailer, I don't know if anybody noticed, they showed Ben Affleck's Batman face, they showed Jason Moore's Aquaman face, and then they had a shot of Ezra from behind. (laughs) So they didn't show his face. So if you can't even show his face there, but you're going to have to have posters of this film, let people know it's about a new trailer at some point. Uh, Because we've had like a small trailer it was what two years ago or something at a fandom event mm. and Ezra's playing from what I understand two different versions of yes. the Flash so I mean there's some talk out there about like okay could you use the two Batman and do a bit more Batman marketing which is okay but you've still got the Flash as your main character yes and what do you do when somebody interviews like Andy Muschietti or any of the cast and says like hey what was it like to work with Ezra what, <laughs> what are they supposed to say yeah and I mean by the way if you don't know why Ezra Miller is a problem in the Flash movie Google Ezra Miller Hawaii and you will see a number of stories come up and go what the hell (laughs) yeah you'll be quite confused which uh, we all are yes that boy I think needs some serious help and there are some fairly nasty allegations out there so I don't know it's a really odd one that they're sticking by it considering everything else that they've canned I mean Warner Brothers Discovery as a company is almost taking a billion dollar loss which I mean does happen when these sort of mergers come through but I mean not loss but sort of write-offs and stuff they're basically write down on on content 
Mm -hmm. um, from various DC axings. There's also TBS and TNT, which are two of the US networks, which they've also canned a bunch of stuff. You've got things like Snowpiercer, which is coming to an end. Although, I mean, it is getting a final season rather than being axed, but there was shows like The Last OG on there. They also took a hatchet to HBO Max as well. I mean, you had things like Race by Wolves Go. There's Demimond, which was the J.J. Abrams sci-fi series. The Wonder Twins movie, which was the the DC thing, which they, they announced the casting one week and a week later cancelled the film. <laughs> that was live for about two weeks, yeah. Yeah. J.J. Abrams, interestingly, from various things I've read, it sounds like he's probably on the outs with uh, HBO and DC because they I've, seem rather I've upset I've heard that they're very, very annoyed with him. Because he's basically done nothing having been yeah. there for two years. No, yeah, we haven't seen anything. So. Um, and he had a bunch of DC projects that he was supposed to be working on and, and nothing's materialised. So there seems to be a lot of stuff going on over there and there is also HBO Max is being merged into Discovery Plus which are two different streaming services you can get Discovery Plus over here actually Um, they're being combined into one thing in the US in the summer next year the uh, primary focus for the rollout will be in markets where HBO Max has already launched Latin America will follow later in the year European markets with HBO Max will follow in early 24 additional launches and key agencies Pacific territories and some new European markets coming later in 2024. So it sounds like they're slowing the rollout of that. I mean, they are saying they are going to add some new things to it, but uh, that might be quite good news for Sky because from the way that is worded, it, it sounds a little like they may only be launching in places where there aren't really things in place already. And that Sky HBO deal, they may decide to stick with it rather than trying to launch HBO Max separately. I mean, I don't know, but but I mean, Sky would be over the moon, I'm sure, if that happens, because you know mm. they get quite a lot of their content from from HBO. I just hope that if they do stay with Sky, they get the HBO Max content as part of the re-upping the deal. That's way off in the future, though. If that happened, the other thing that they did say was they're fully embracing theatrical releases, so no more day and date releases onto HBO Max, which is what they were doing for some of the films. They're going to release into theatres and then it will go onto HBO Max afterwards. I heard they got in a lot of trouble for that. Yes, there were a few people got kind of uppity about it because yeah, of like the... other studios and that. Yeah, so. and I, but then Disney got in trouble with that as well for... with uh, They got in trouble with Scarlett Johansson for Black Widow because of yeah. the, the back end because it was based on the theatrical the release thing, yeah. and then it was based on earnings from theatrical releases and then they didn't release it theatrically because, I mean, there was a pandemic but they didn't like alter the deal with her so uh, I, they sorted it out eventually because you don't want to upset Black Widow but <laughs> um, so that was sorted so in terms of where we're at right now DC they're claiming they have a plan but it's still a mess things that are safe Black Adam Shazam we know they're okay Aquaman looks like that's okay The Flash weirdly seemingly being okay That the film anyway The Peacemaker season 2 seems to be okay as well so it's in interesting it's a lot of the Snyderverse stuff that seems to be all right so whether they're using that as a baseline for whatever this new 10-year plan is I don't know but things that are unclear the Supergirl movie which was being filmed the Blue Beetle movie which is being filmed and we don't know what's I mean they're still 
I think alive right now, but don't know what's going to happen with them. There's the TV series like Superman and Lois, Titan, Stargirl. Those are the main DC ones. Uh, Doom Patrol as well, I guess. They're all those. They're still kicking around. Uh, obviously, a lot of the other shows have been cancelled, but they're still about, so we'll see. Sequel to the Batman? Is it going to be problematic having different Batmans around, particularly as that's got its own little bunch of spin-offs, like there was supposed to be an Arkham Asylum thing and that Penguin series? Yeah, which so, that's that's supposed to be separate from DCEU. So again, where does that fit into the 10-year plan? Yes, that confuses things somewhat. And then you've got the various J.J. Abrahams projects like Justice League Dark and there was that Green Lantern series. I'm not sure whether that was him or somebody else, but whether those are going to still happen or whether they're dead as well. Things that we know are dead, obviously Wonder Twins, Black Girl, pretty much the Arrowverse at this point because as we mentioned last week, The Flash is coming to an end and that basically kills the Arrowverse um, because Stargirl and Superman and Lois, although they've shared some characters or separate earths so there's no direct crossover with the other shows as such at this point but they have made it very clear that they're separate earths so all we can say at this point is it's they're claiming that they have a plan it's still a mess and until they actually show us what that plan is and they announce who's actually going to be behind it i don't believe anything they say See, it's like, I know we're sitting here, not like moaning away. I want to be like, like DC is such a good property. Yes. Like you've got Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, all these exciting characters. And I mean, like when I, when I was sitting there watching the Snyder Cut and like the whole four hours, I was like, I can't believe how good this is. Um, mm-hmm. I want more of like, of this. Yeah. And that had those characters in it, Batman and Super, you know, the Justice League and it had Darkseid and it had Steppenwolf, a, a better version of Steppenwolf. And you had also had like the Nightmare stuff, which wasn't really quite my thing, but I thought it was interesting at least. And I was like, like, I want more of this. That that's the DC stuff that got me yeah. excited. But the the issue is it's so kind of a bit in terms of like the selection of like the characters, it is a bit all over the place as well. So I, I just want them to yeah, to say what the plan is and I just want to be excited about DC stuff. Cause it's not like I deliberately try and dunk on DC because I don't like the property. I, I no. really do. I just want the products that I want more well, out of. So before I am a DC fan. I, you know, I have shelves of Batman and various other DC comic book characters. I mean, I literally have a wall of comic books from DC. I have very few Marvel stuff. I've always been a bigger DC fan than I have been a Marvel fan. And I want them to get it right. But it's so frustrating to see them mishandle things so badly. So I hope there is a plan. I hope they're telling the truth, but I want to see it before I actually believe it because they've said that before and look at the mess we're in now. So we'll see what comes out of it. It is a shame that they're not doing an event this year because if they were that would be the perfect opportunity to be able to go look at what we're doing. And maybe they will do. Maybe they're not ready yet because it's not been that long since the merger and maybe spring next year they'll go, actually, we're going to do a DC fandom and we're going to have some huge announcements. That would be great if that's what they're going to do, but we'll have to wait and see because right now it doesn't fill me with a huge amount of confidence. So... Yes. Mm, yeah. That's all the news we've got for this week. Next, we move on to some highlights for next week on TV. 
So, highlights for next week. First, we have Shetland returning for season seven. That's coming back to BBC One. That's the final season with Douglas Henshaw as the lead before he goes off and does something else. But that's uh, 10th of August at 9pm on BBC One. That is landing. Lock and Key returns for its final third season. That's on Netflix. That's on the 10th of August as well. I really need to catch up with that because it's a really fun series and I keep on forgetting to go and watch the rest of it. (laughs) League of Their Own not the Sky series this is the Amazon series based on the beloved 1992 movie that's coming to Amazon it's a sort of baseball thing that's on the 12th of August that will be landing there Never Have I Ever, which is the Mindy Kaling series. That's coming for a third season on the 12th of August on Netflix. Power Book 3, Raising Canaan. That returns for its second season. That's on Stars Play. That's on the 14th of August. And Day of the Dead, season one of that, which is a a horror series based on the classic George A. Romero movie. That's coming to Sky Sci-Fi on the 15th of August at 9pm. So a few interesting things coming there next week if people want to find more of you where can they find you they can find me over on entertainmenttalk.org for tv games films my united podcast premier league is back so so is the united cast which is interesting so got that going on as well did you just chuckle <laughs> yes because didn't you didn't you lose to somebody? yeah we lost because we, we lost because our midfield can't keep uh-huh. hold of the ball yes. not that they're supposed to hold the ball literally but that, well maybe <laughs> they should just do that instead maybe they should pick the <laughs> just run off with it um but yeah that's going on at the moment with the united cast yes. uh so that's good stuff there um but uh, also doing uh, some exciting stuff as well better call soul only two episodes left of, of that uh, yes the second to last episode will probably be out by the time you hear this but me and david are cover- covering that getting into into the end game there got some other film reviews coming up i know that prey films just come out the predator thing as well uh, yep. got westworld which is also getting to its conclusion so that's been really good gaming talk podcast has some interesting stuff happening over there and yeah did some analyzing television episodes recently like netflix and all that type of stuff top five lists that sort of stuff so you can check out all of that so check that stuff out over there you can find me on twitch as well with etalk uk i do random gaming streams of different things i might try and stream uh, moss 2 next which is a vr game so look out for that at some point and uh, if you miss either that the fifa crime mode episodes or the game clips you can find those archived on youtube which is entertainment talk plays so look out for all that stuff yep go and check matt out over on uh, entertainmenttalk.org for other people involved in the show you can find bex over on twitch.tv forward slash trista bytes that's b-y-t-e-s for lots of uh, fun silly streams over there and uh, watch her regularly murdering lara croft by making her fall off things and uh, usually <laughs> damaging herself in the process that's bex stuff over on twitch.tv forward slash trista bytes very very funny go and check her out and uh, daryl you can find over at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those tv series that you love that are shot in canada for us you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye bye
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.